What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. My name is Jim, and I'm here with Tyler, and the Night Boys are back. We're in the night country now. We're covering True Detective Night Country Episode 4. I'm not doing my usual intro. This is a sweet episode. A lot of horror in this, man. Let's just get this party started. If you guys want to listen to any of our other coverage, be sure to check us out at BingetownTV.com. But otherwise, let's just get right into the episode. Yeah, and uh, we're doing a, a different time for this pod. It's a little bit later at night. It's the night country so here, too. So we're really in the night country now. You scared, Jim? I'm a little scared. A little, they got you sound me. a little shook. They got me in this episode a couple times. <laughs> they got you with a, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> well, the screams. It's That's what gets me. And I had my headphones in. <laughs> and it was on freaking loud, man. And when they did the scream, and I guess obviously we'll get to it, Navarre's ears are bleeding a little bit. Mine started to bleed a little bit. I was like, jerk. <laughs> yeah, well, quick synopsis of the episode. So we are in kind of the lull while everybody is still hunting for Clark. We're coming up on Christmas, which is a theme of this episode, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of elf going on. Do they yeah. all have the same channel? We're gonna come yeah. back to the. We're gonna come back to that because yeah. there's no way yeah. that they're just individually popping on Netflix and all watching right. Elf. Right. I mean, come it's on, it's Alaska TV. Yeah, let's let's go. But we in this episode get a new lead. We get a little bit of follow up on. The lead that the night poise already uncovered looks like we are just, we're right there with Danvers and Navarro. We, mm-hmm. we know it's good. We're asking the right questions. Um, we're asking the right questions. But in the same token, we get a lot more character development into our protagonist. We get more information about even the priors, all leading to some new clues in the dredges. And okay. ultimately, a sketchy scene, which Jim just mentioned, gives us the bleeding ear. But, yeah. you know, the funny thing is we, we come into these just firing takes. And this is a six-episode series. So we watch three episodes. We get all of our takes out. And then now this is kind of the reload. And this is what True Detective does. This is the kind of playbook of like, oh no, something in the case is going to go wrong and it's going to change the dynamics of who's working on it and what's going on in people's lives. Maybe there's a time jump. But I was honestly, we'll start off with Navarro's sister, Julia. Biggest plot piece of the episode is that Navarro's sister, Julia, who appeared to be struggling with schizophrenia, battling mental health, not only or does is she, she, or is she, I mean, again, that is, a theme in this show as well as to, you know, the difference between spirituality and seeing the dead and having mental illness. But unfortunately she walks into the, uh, into the ice and dies in this episode. Mm -hmm, Uh, She mm -hmm. dead, which is not, which ain't good. No, Uh, no. It's going to spiral and, and spiral. Tyler. Whoa. Whoa, unintentional there. But it's going to spiral out of control a lot of things for Navarro's character. It almost seemed like Navarro was the one, while she is seeing a lot of different images and visions and people in the night, it seemed like she was our sturdy character, and she really just uh, falls off, and rightfully so. I guess uh, for you, Jim, how did you find the episode overall? But I do want to just kind of start us off by delving into Julia's death. 
Yeah, Julia's death was devastating. I enjoyed the episode. There was a lot of good stuff in this episode. I really do like the horror elements to it. We were talking about that piece by piece throughout the episodes, how it's been nicely woven into it. I thought they really turned it up in this episode, making me again question what genre they want to be. I mean, there's no problem with a blend of genres, but it's, you know, there was a lot more horror in this episode than the other episodes. And I'm not against it. I'm fine with a change in pace when you're doing an anthology series. That's fine with me. Uh, But like I said, yeah, Julia's death, Callie Reese killed it with all of her reactions to the death. It's devastating. Seeing it through her eyes where she gets the call and she's next to young boy Pryor. She's not going to let him see it, obviously, number one, because she's Navarro and she doesn't let anybody see any emotion, but number two, because she says, go to your family. She knows his family's important. He's already been out late. Go back to your family. Very important. And then as the episode goes on, we have when she rages a little bit, and then, then it goes into the whole conversation, Tyler, where she's saying she's cursed. And it's like, is it the curse of genetics a mental illness in the family or is it an actual curse of the spirituality some kind of connection to the spiritual world between mother and two daughters you know she's saying okay it got my mom it got my sister and now it's coming for me and we'll yeah, talk about yeah. it we'll, you know it's, we'll talk it's interesting about it. um and i don't want to sound cold here but just the way my mind thinks about these shows so i liked the acting all that good stuff. I think you can feel the pain in Callie Reese's character. But if I'm being honest, this is a six episode series and there's probably, there's maybe one or two scenes an episode with Julia in it. So I care about like the dynamics of family and all these things. But when I'm watching a show like this and we've got two main characters, when they introduce, you know, a sister, you know, the question that I'm asking and look, the other thing is we can't even ask, the right fucking question in this episode. So I think this pod for us should just be us asking a bunch of questions because they pose a bunch of new ones. But as the viewer and the night boy detective that I am ever since the first episode, my mind is going, what is Julia's character's purpose to propel this story? Because Mm -hmm. you're not going to put you know, this family story without some level of payoff. Now, one, it was important in this episode just to show the unwinding of Navarro, who (laughs) probably, again, to solve this, we're going to need spirituality. We're going to need a little luck. We're going to need to be not playing by the rules. And it seems like that's just one push further to being like, what the fuck even matters besides this case, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it was one of those things where there's a lot of time left, but just wondering like, what is going to be the payoff from this? Because if they needed to spiral her out, I totally get that. And that could be as simple as it is, but it might be that there is something more with the mother, um, in Navarro's character that we need to kind of pull out uh, and pull out that family family feeling of, you know, the pain and the loss and that feeling that she's next. Julia, there's a couple things we can talk about, right? Tyler, that orange, you nailed that, obviously, okay? The orange wasn't there. She sees it in the lighthouse, right? Now, Julia sees the orange roll out from under her bed, Okay. 
Then she looks under the bed, and she sees the same necklace that Navarro saw when she was having her vision in the car, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying it's the mom's necklace, maybe something like that. Yep. Okay? Yeah. Now we're seeing the same, however you want to say it, dead body under the bed that Navarro, now we know, was seeing at the Wheeler situation. And in this episode, she saw that body and her sisters. There's, I mean, there's obviously, they're, they're going to do something with this to connect it, to make it matter. I mean, Navarro is following the footsteps, literally, of her sister to a point in this place that they're in. Now, again, is that Christmas tree really there? I think so. I think they set the tree up, right? Yeah, I believe. I think the, the tree was there. But look, yeah, I mean, when you're watching this show, you can't take anything through the eyes of Navarro and through the eyes of Danvers at face value, right? You can't. I don't think that the polar bear with no yeah. eye is roaming <laughs> around, but like yeah. maybe he is. But like, I, I feel like there would be more commotion around town if he was just. But patrolling. also, and and it just so happens to match the missing eye of the the teddy bear polar bear. I mean, it's got to be not there. Yeah, this is what I think. Some people don't like it. Um, that's fine. But I think one of the most interesting plot devices that makes this a tr unique true detective season is how we are going through the eyes of unreliable narrators, right? Mm -hmm. um, we talk about it every episode, but you know, it, it's so interesting and kind of speaks to Issa Lopez's struggle in making this show in the sense that you're making something where everybody wants it to be a certain thing but don't do it exactly the same <laughs> yeah, right, like, right don't copy like you, but it needs yeah, to be close you can't really win but yeah i mean the horror aspect that is isa lopez's jam that's her directorial and you know creative background so i just i like the way that it's been weaved through the show and i agreed Again, it's just because they changed the narration of the show in my mind. That's the, that's to me, I'm not like, whoa, this is so supernatural because True Detective Season 1 through Russ's eyes, True Detective Season 3 through Mahershala Ali's character's eyes, there is so much constantly uh, that you have to question going on in the real world, but you don't in those seasons because of, of how they're explaining it. This is just the way that they're telling the story. And I think it, it makes it a lot more exciting for me because while, yes, you and I can catch some Oliver to Gox stuff, the murder weapon is a, is a complete Hail Mary, but like yeah. we were on to it, which I think they want you to be on to it, that he, he's going to play a bigger role. Well, let me say, Tyler, Issa Lopez did retweet the murder weapon video, which makes me think it can't be right. Cause why exactly. would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Look, <laughs> He's a, I love the publicity. I mean, everybody does, but when she retweeted it, I was like, God damn it, it is definitely not Snow yeah. Shoes. That has nothing to do with it. Yep. Um, She's like, good guess, but gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But look, I mean, the Oliver Tagak side of things and that piece of it, I like where it's going, but it is exciting to me that we, I have so many questions coming into the final two episodes just because with what we have, it just still doesn't make sense, yeah. right? And and um, let me pause here. Let me ask you this question, Tyler. Are you okay with the point that we're at right now with what they've given us, meaning the answers to walk into the last two episodes of the story? 
Are you okay with where we're at? Did you want more oh, from this yeah. episode? Okay. No, no. I felt I felt good about this episode. Okay. Um, True Detective is a show about the detectives, right? Yeah. So, right. like, if everybody's like, "Oh, I thought there was going to be like an explosion this episode," look, we we're just getting onto the trail of someone like Oliver Tagaku could be very close to the murder in episode three, which is where you want to be. But now it's like they've kind of set us up where. We end the episode with Navarro wandering off, being led by her dead sister, finding this Christmas tree. But we end with her eardrum being popped, right? Her ear. Mm-hmm. Like it, I imagine that I wouldn't be surprised if we come back next episode. Maybe there's a time jump and she only has hearing out of one of her ears, right? Yeah. Like, Which for- poses a problem, or not a problem, a question. <laughs> it's going to make it hard to solve this case with one ear. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you, what are you going to do with this one ear? <laughs> so, you, but here's my question. Well, here we go. Like, This is something where her eardrum is popped and the blood is there, right? Mm-hmm. Something supernatural slash spiritual screamed at her and her eardrum popped. That is a real thing. That's not an unreliable narrator scenario unless we're saying that Danvers is also still unreliable and seeing blood out of her ear. Yeah. Which I, I mean, can't assume that's the thing. That's too much of like you're really messing with us. So yeah. something Yeah, I can believe that they're individually unreliable, but yeah, I can't not have together. both of them. Don't don't They're not both seeing that polar bear at the same time, Tyler. <laughs> Even though they have both seen that same polar bear, which is ridiculous. We did say if that. If they do see it at the same time, I think they'll also be with Rose Aginal on that good cush, being like, you see that fucking polar bear? Jim? She was looking fancy tonight. She was looking fancy, Rose Aginal. If we want to talk about her smoking yeah, that good we're, we're, shit. We gotta get into but, it, but so let's get to where you were going here. Yeah. So yeah, but basically my question to you is this scenario where you're making me jump. Okay, my ears are bleeding. Now Navarre's ears are bleeding. Mine is figuratively. I'm guessing hers is literally. So I think, I think what they did a nice job of. We'll get to a few nitpicks that mm-hmm. I had in in this episode, and or just they're not even nitpicks. It's just more questions right. um, that I don't. You don't think know are if they're nitpicks until we get our answers, or maybe yeah, yeah. But yeah, but what I will say is. What you got to realize they did in this episode was they gave you, first off, the place that we need to get to. So, A, we know that Clark is studying prehistoric microorganisms. And, mm-hmm. Well, there's potentially prehistoric whale bones in the ice that Annie Kotak's video is in. So, like... Okay, cool. We're getting really close. This is something great, but there's fissures everywhere. You're going to need a guide. We got to figure out this fucking map. You're not going to figure this shit. It's Christmas. You're not going to figure this your, shit out for your months. Your boy who you want is on meth. He's not going to tell you. Yeah, your, boy, your boy's in fucking space right now in yeah. the dredges. Um, so that, to me, is more of like they're telling you as the viewer, hey, don't expect to be getting into this ice anytime soon because they got to figure out all these people to get in. Mm-hmm. And the way that you leave it with, you know, an, an already compromised case that's got this pressure of all this shit is happening in the town. The bodies are now moved. So technically they could give the case elsewhere. Um, her and Ted are not on, you know, the best of terms by the end mm-hmm. of the episode. 
And now her partner has got an eardrum popped and is grieving the death of her sister. Yep. It's very realistic for me to see that time jump. So when you talk about like, am I satisfied with where we're at? Yeah, I am. Because I think, I think we're almost going to move this to a, I know I said spiral earlier, but I'm going to do this one on purpose. It's going to become more of a cold case. You get what I'm saying, Jim? Can you say Dixical, Tyler? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm expecting this to move more to a bit of expand the time frame. It's not going to be months because we know like there's a set amount of time that's we're in darkness, Mm -hmm. but we can move it forward. And it, you know, it says like, Day eight of darkness. I wouldn't be surprised right. if all of a sudden it's like day thirty of darkness. Yeah, and you're I mean, like, oh shit, what a lot can happen in three weeks, right? Right. And in but the that, trailer, Navarro's wounds look better, so yes, it seems yeah, like I there are too. days, weeks, whatever in between. So if you're if you're staging this out in six episodes, I mean, coming into the final third of the season, we have a lot of information. There's still some things that we don't know, and it looks like they're going to be compromised in their ability to work the case, mm-hmm. and that's kind of setting us up for everything I want in True Detective. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree. You know, I- I'm I'm that, happy. I'm fine with it. And That's following the formula. Yeah, yeah. Just doing it in six episodes instead of eight, so there's no problems here on my end. I Again, we're doing this live pretty much, so I don't have a pulse on what the other viewers and, and fans are thinking, but I mean, this is just how we're feeling, and I'm happy with it too. So yeah. um, while we're on the topic of Navarro and the situation at the end of the episode, you guys know if you've been listening, we do like to jump all over the place. The night boys don't go A to B here. When Navarro was sitting there and Danvers walked up to her, were you expecting her maybe to have her eyes burned out and her ears screwed up? Like, did you think she was going to be? You know, I honestly, I will say, um, I try and just, you know, ride the wave mid-episode and not, like, think too much about mm-hmm. where it's yeah, going to go. Yeah, I'm the opposite, so, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm a I thinker, wasn't man. Even, I wasn't even expecting the uh eardrum to be honest because yeah i know i know navarro is not dying right, right there right. well at least i think i mean that would have really fucked me up but i actually liked where that was because i thought maybe clark was going to be dead down there or something mm-hmm. like that but i like i like where it's going when we get to the scenario with otis and we talk about his eyes burned out and whatever's wrong with him just like what's wrong with the scientists Listen, I don't know anything about why he's biting his hands off and all that kind of stuff like they were saying. He was gnawing at it and there were similar symptoms that way. But the ear thing could easily be the caverns. I mean, if you go deep in the caverns, I don't know how freaking deep you got to go to mess with your ears. But if you go deep, maybe. Um, I think we're kind of pulling it bullshit with that but i i just don't know like i'm so interested to figure out what's gonna like burn someone's eyes out make them eat their own hands like all that crazy shit that's not if they actually go non-supernatural if they if they have an answer for that i'm gonna be like oh my goodness yeah yeah i yeah i have no that i'm with you too and that's and it's not even speculating on that front like for me if we look at some of the other characters in this episode and where we stand with them. I think it might help us also kind of set up where we're going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to start with Pete, good old Pete. Yep. A um, couple things here. So 
he continues to crush it as a detective. Yes. Um, he's getting noticed for it. I will say, and I don't know if I'm alone on this, but when they went to, to Gox Nomad Outpost, I was like, dead. Oh, God. Pete is dead. But oh, he was so I was, dead I was in my happy, head. I was happy that he escaped. They gave you the one piece for his personal life where it seems like he's the one that wanted to have uh, his son and not yeah. his wife, right? So they keep adding that tension. Again, back to the th- theory of like, when you've got a six episode show with dialogue as crisp as this, everything is happening for a reason. So like, mm-hmm. there is a push-pull between Pete's life at home and the reality of him being a detective working with someone like Danvers. Um, Are we going to get to a point in the show where he chooses his family over Danvers and that's going to be at her detriment or is he going to essentially, you know, more or less show you as the viewer how, Danvers character is formed by, you know, essentially screwing over his family. I think yeah. either way is satisfying, mm-hmm. but I thought it was interesting how in just that quick scene you you single-handedly learn so much about his character when he says, you know, just say it. I I pushed you to have this kid and I ruined your life. And yeah. do you have any any thoughts on Pete's character? I guess if you had to choose one of those two paths, which way which path do you think we're walking towards for him? I think you nailed it when it comes to Pete. He is another situation where I'm gonna go with Danvers ruins his family. I think he goes with Danvers, he rides or dies with her, and he eventually realizes that she pushed him too far or something along those lines. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't realize, like maybe he doesn't even think at the end of it that she was in the wrong and he just is still who he is and it just ruins his family because obviously (laughs) Danvers, you would think that she would realize that what's going on with his family. I mean, this every other second he's calling and disappointing his wife. I mean, and it is really, really beating the dead horse this episode. It's like, hey, hey, babe, I want to be a couple (laughs) hours. And it's like, hey, babe, I know I told you I'd be home, but I want to be another couple hours. And it's like, (laughs) hey, babe, like I got to go put my life on the line because Danvers says so. I fully agree with you. I thought he was dead. Like we just joked about I'm a thinker. I was like, dude. Dead, 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 dead. And then obviously it gets Which made me like that he didn't die, right? And he just Helped her pick up a rock with the with the uh, Carcosa symbol on it. Now it wouldn't have been. We don't know Pete's place in the rest of this season. He may have a big, huge place, but it wouldn't have been bad in my eyes if he died because it does tell you something in the story. Because yeah, it would have just been. I don't know. I, I was glad that he didn't die because it's almost cliche at this point to be like, "Oh no, the thing that." He, he shouldn't go towards, and he does. Yeah. And I liked that they kind of subverted expectations there, but I was thinking they were just going to sniff out the card. He was going to get picked off. Yeah. Um, and tying them together, not to go too much into it, but, I mean, the most obvious catfish kind of yeah. got to the next stage. I really, I'm, I'm still going to say that Hank is more capable than we think and he is covering something up from Annie Kotak's murder. He knows something oh, because yeah. again it, I just don't see the value in his character so far if we don't get something more out of him. Yep. Um, 
I mean, yes, he's he could also demonstrate like the, you know, bullshit that is terrible at everything, but and gets catfished and paints his living room blue and watches Elf. But I, I don't. Yeah, I just feel like he's got a little bit too much real estate for that to be his fate, and I think he has some hand to play in all of this. I definitely think there's more to him because, listen, a lesser show, and I don't want to say lesser show because if it's if it's this and it ends up being what I'm gonna say, then whatever we'll decide at the end of the show how good the show is. But, um, you know, a lesser show could use him as a way to just be like. You know, he was a bad guy pretty much, and Pete still was able to grow up and be a great guy and do the right thing and this and that. He he overcame the adversity of the bad father. There's more to him than that because the whole thing with the case file and why yeah. they had to steal it and why he hit him after he found out it was taken. Yes, you can tell me that he's just like, that kind of bad father that's going to be like, don't go in my house and steal anything. But at the same time, like you said, he looked right there. He knew it was the case file and he wouldn't give it to them when they were asking in general. It just seems like he's a problem for this case. Like he seems like he has something more to it. Yeah. Even in the first, and now if we're, if we're trying to say that he maybe covered up something at Salal station, I mean, even in the first scene that you see him he's trying to say oh they must have ran off and yeah. trying to trying to just breeze past that mayo yeah cold cuts come on you know get some I, cold uh, cuts get some cold cuts <laughs> get some cold cuts um so yeah i still got my antenna up on him i'm gonna go into rose agonal real mm-hmm. quick what is her purpose well she yeah. has a a link to you know the paranormal right she sees uh, Travis Cole, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit right now. I'm unfulfilled by her character. It's just like, oh, she's just makes this huge dinner when Navarro and her don't even seem like they had really firmed up plans, <laughs> and <laughs> it just doesn't seem. And she's just got this dress on, like something weird is going on with her. And if she was a professor doing papers in another lifetime, maybe she's got some value to our heroes if we derail this investigation and we don't have the support of the powerful Ennis Police Department behind behind us, right? Maybe she's going to become valuable then. Yeah, she knew the spiral, and she said it's from another time, you know, before Ennis, that could just be like she's like a wise spiritual person or it could be something where she I'm not saying she has to necessarily be involved with the spiral, but maybe her research or maybe her like she didn't say what she was a professor in. She could have been a professor in microbiology. I mean, she could have been a professor. Exactly. In, yeah. They, in archaeology. They, I mean, it could be anything. Yeah. They wouldn't have that scene if they didn't want you as the viewer to know that this isn't just some stoner lady on the on the edge of town she is a very capable woman that obviously has some knowledge that at one point or another will benefit them so and it's fiona shaw i mean you don't just give that actress that uh yeah you're not getting fiona shaw just to blaze as much as she would like it she'd be like i'm down to blaze you want to pay me i'll I'll blaze all day i'll blaze all day um well, let me let me go into 
one nitpick and mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. just question for you. Okay. Um, the nitpick is, we talked about this, I think, when we were going over Silo and Severance, and I'm not even saying that it's a flaw of the show, but have we really gotten to such a point in this bullshit culture where people can't connect previous episodes in the moment and you got to do these cut flashbacks. Yeah. I don't need to know that that guy that flips off, you know, <laughs> yeah, Navarro is the POS, is from, the, the other... is the POS from the first episode. Yeah. You know, I don't need to know that. And it's not like, that's obviously an editorial choice, right? That's right. not a directorial choice. That's the editor being like, yeah, people are dipshits watching this show, so they're they're going to need that. And listen, we have proof of this. We talked to Marco Siega, the showrunner, director of Dexter New Blood. He was involved in the original Dexter for a while, too. And we had some problems with the last season and the finale. And we asked him certain questions, and he was the man. He gave us honest answers, and he would say, like, listen, people would tell us that they thought, like, the person wouldn't know, the viewer wouldn't understand, or listen, we screwed up. Like he told us, and it is very crazy to think about those kind of things, Tyler. Like I understand that not everybody is us like fine tooth combing, but at the same time, something like that, I get that like, it's like supposed to be like in her mind, the rage, like you're seeing a flash of her being all pissed off from earlier in the episode, but I don't need that either. I know who that guy is. I know he's a POS and I know she's coming back to beat his ass or at least try to. Yeah, that's, that's again, more of just a nitpick. Yeah. Not even against True Detective, just a no, shot just fired at anybody yeah. watching the show that is like, who is that guy? That <laughs> pisses me off. There was another flash in the episode, too. It was like a multi-flash episode. Um, I can't even remember the other one. I see red every time they happen, but... <laughs> You know, oh, oh, it was when they found, uh, it was when they found, what's his face? The, when they found, uh, when they found Otis Heiss, it was like, yeah. whoa, it's the, per- it's like, yeah, no shit. That's me on my high horse. I'll get off that ledge, but you know, just leave people behind if they can't figure these things out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is prestige TV guys. What, I mean, come on. Yeah, this is the prestige this- TV. You don't <laughs> dust off Tyler Hine and get him on a podcast to get some flashbacks in here. Yeah. Um, the other thing, this is more of a question for you because I know you're better than me with this stuff, but I'm trying to piece together like how long does it take them to get from their house to the police station? How yeah. long does it take? Th- because it seems like, and this is the the thing that's throwing me off is the nomad posts or anything that's outside of the city mm-hmm. because they get into like a car at the police station and- Danvers is like, oh, they're they're taking the bodies. I'll be there in five. So like, I get it. It's supposed to be a pretty small town. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Nomad in this episode, it's this big deal to go out to the Nomad station. And by the time, you know, they're rolling out dough in Pete's house. But by the time he gets back, he's the biggest piece of shit ever slinking right. in the bed. Right. But in the episode beforehand, they're at the Nomad Post and the hospital's like, yo, this guy's awake. And they're yeah, there. Get like, here now. Boom, what's good? Let me question this guy before he dies. I- I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. Jim. How far out are we going? How far out is the dredge? What do you, what do you think about this? I think that it's tough to decipher because that long road that Danvers goes on, we've been on that road. We've been on that long road together, Tyler. Yeah, yeah we have. Um, we have. 
And that road obviously is supposed to, I think, signal when it's time that they have to go further than just the town. So, but there's not really anything there. And that could be a plot hole. Like it could be something where it's like, not to this effect, but one of the biggest things people were very upset with towards the end of Game of Thrones was in the first however many seasons when it's on its A game, when you're traveling, you're traveling. Like you're literally in episodes where you're traveling and you can tell that distance is a long distance. But then towards the end, they're like, yeah, we got to do this in six episodes. We're going to time hop. We're going to jump, jump, teleport, whatever. It's not that huge of a deal because it's still not like they're driving hours away. I, w- I don't, I would hope, you know, but it's I still think, tough I to decipher. I feel like it's supposed to be like 15. When you go, all, all you have to know, I think is it's the outskirts of the town. So that could mean, like you were about to say, 15 minutes or five hours, but it seems like they just are outside the town. I don't, I would hope I mean, it's maybe not the too right far. question to be asking is uh, after Pete drops off Navarro, does he head back to the station and take his dad up on the uh, the life that's left in that Jim Beam bottle? You feel me? <laughs> Did he finish <laughs> that? Still a little life left in her. <laughs> I will, yeah, I will say it is. It is getting even to me, and we're not even there, the total darkness, right? Because throughout this whole entire episode, when they're saying, like, Pete, I need you to do something else, and they're like, it's Christmas Eve, and then it's like, Pete, one more thing, Pete, one more thing. I'm like, it's got to be four in the freaking morning, but it could have been the day started at 10 a.m. for us, but it's still dark, and I'm not deciphering it correctly. You know, I'm thinking when they're talking to Pete at first saying, do this, I'm thinking it's already, like, 8 o'clock at night or something, and they're just, like, adding to his crazy time, and he's not getting yeah, actually I, I love that point jim because it, it's something that i think is easy to brush off but that is a really cool uh aspect of kind of alaska being a character in this situation right uh because it does throw you off i'm with yeah. you and just to put it out there because i've had a couple people in my life ask me uh, about the seemingly light parts of the of the episodes where it does look like there's yeah, uh, yes yep there's light out there and Issa actually explained this so i just mm-hmm. want to quickly pull that up so in this episode when danvers and navarro first get in the car you do see light right uh, right and you saw some in in the last episode and Issa said After the last episode, during the long night, every day, there's a period of twilight luminosity near noon when the sun approaches the horizon, but it never rises above, and soon the light is gone again, which is almost like even more eerie, right? Yeah. At noon, so Danvers is rolling out of bed, getting woken up at noon, like, what a POS move by her, just Mm -hmm. drinking the whole bottle of Svetka. If, yep. if Oreo cookies are 20 bucks, I bet that's fed because like, <laughs> that's like a, like a $2,000 bottle. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know this is a big deal in the last episode, too, because there is the scene with Pete and his wife where they're in bed. He comes in to talk to her and there's light shining in through the closed shades. And people were like, oh, we got you. You know, you were filming during the day and it's supposed to be nighttime. And then that's I think that's the main reason why she had to respond, because people were really talking about it during that specific scene. But again, yeah, I believe yeah. it. So it's fine. They were sitting there filming in complete darkness for 47 days. I think they could have done an extra day if they really didn't want that. But it, it, yeah, it's in there for a reason. Um, but that goes that goes with it. Like it is disorienting. And as you say that, too, I'm kind of 
throwing out like my beef with him slinking into bed because they do say that his wife is a night nurse. So her yeah. schedule is all over the place. Um, yeah. So maybe it is the, it's just the disorienting effect of working in total night and we're only on day eight. So yeah. I, I, by the end of the season, we're going to be like, Mind blown, yeah. Yeah, like sitting in fire. Our circadian rhythms are going to be totally screwed up. <laughs> so there's obviously like a couple more tidbits, but I mean, we we brushed over the, the biggest things. I'm very, very happy that Navarro raged and went to the lighthouse and at least went to them and said, like, why'd you let my sister leave? Because that was one of those first things going through my head. Like, come on, they really let her leave? But they had a good answer for that. And it's true, like, you know, if they were going to let her have a cell phone, then it must not have been too much of a lockdown scenario. So that's fine. I want to run by this. I think we're still good on your theory that you came up with last episode where there's a scenario of why she died, the illogical versus the illogical. I still think we're good on the whole scenario yeah, where yeah. she was kind of investigating, meaning Annie Kay was investigating Salal Station. She used the hairdresser to get in. She latched herself onto Clark. Basically, she's a double agent. She's using the relationship with Clark, which is a facade, to investigate. She finds something. She goes to the caverns, finds something there. She gets caught by whoever, and maybe she gets stomped by the ice shoes. Maybe she doesn't, but she meets her demise there, most likely. And they even say, which we already guessed, that she dies somewhere else and is dumped by the mine. So that's another confirmation. Yep that we get this episode. Yeah, and the mines, I think, will be used more so to show, like, the clashing within the town and drawing comparisons with Leah's character, who does kind of, you know, she goes off and she's vandalizing the the mine and things of that nature. It's going to show us, like, she is almost becoming the Annie Kotak type character and that's what Danvers seems to be fearing the most is that you know her her daughter is going to become another Annie yes. Kotak. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to throw out a couple rapid fire questions and then I do want to finish with what we're going to go with with uh with our ask the right fucking question of the episode. Okay. Um okay, first off, Jim, are you a white noise guy? So, not like that. I'm a white noise guy when I'm trying to sleep. I like a fan, like the the air conditioner, the fan on. You like that natural white noise. You yeah. don't want none of the. She's the doing it to think, to help her think and stuff. And no, I, that that doesn't do anything for me. Um, yeah, I'm she a, thinks I'm pretty a... good while she's hammered, though. Give her that. <laughs> Give her props on for that. Yeah, she's getting some clarity, moving the pictures around. Yeah, I, I think uh, the way she's using white noise, I. I I like it to go to sleep, you know. If yeah. you if you looked at uh, my wife and my Spotify top songs at the end of the year, it was like brown noise. So yeah, I gotta right. I gotta admit that I like that part. Okay, that's one. Two was the woman uh, who they mentioned her name in the first episode. They show her here that she owns the mine, the mm-hmm. Silver Sky Mine, and she's pissed. I'm trying. Was that the same woman that is the wife of the? teacher or is that the woman who owned the ice rink rink. i think that's her from the ice rink when yes when danvers walks into the ice rink she says you must have some freaking problems if you're going to come talk to me directly because but that's not the same person who's married to the teacher no no they look kind of similar with well then again it's not my main question but like who did she cheat on right who's the 
the husband of that lady. I mean, maybe what would make sense is that Ted was married to this woman. He used to be married to her? Yeah. I don't think we get any kind of like confirmation of any of any kind of who her husband is. So that could that could fly. And she there's always not, wants to I mean, be. There's, they they mention her by name in the first episode in relationship with the minds. But, you know, they don't throw out names for no reason like we talked about. And she hates Danvers because Danvers had an affair with her husband. But. We don't know who her husband is. I mean, her character is is pretty much pointless. Now. I mean, she's just, oh, I happen to own everything. It would make sense if there's a tie with Ted, who is mm-hmm. potentially going to be running for, you know, some political role in the in his future. Um, just wanted to get that out there and wanted to clarify yeah. it because I was like, I know I've seen her before. Right. I thought that it was the case of what you were saying, but wanted to make sure that wasn't sneaking past me. Right. Um, my last quick question, just to make sure that we're on the same page. Kavik, you'd hit it, right? Oh, yeah. The, guy's, the, yeah. Guy, is, <laughs> the guy is thoughtful as hell. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got the kindest heart. He's taking care of Navarro. I mean, yeah. great, a great Christmas present, too. He gives her the SpongeBob toothpaste. Yeah. Did you catch uh, that one? Yeah. Hell yeah. Come on. He's a great guy. Dude, totally. Kavik, I really don't want to see Kavik go down in this show. Yeah. I don't get me right in the feels. I don't know where he would be in the line of fire unless he somehow they need to say like his hunter experience. He's going to go out with them into the caverns or, you know, help them get through the fissures. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, we're talking about the police department resources being gone. Kavik and Rose Agonal and all of our, mm. you know, all of our ancillary characters are going to have a role to play. So I'm a Kavik stan. Um, all right. All right. That, that's that's all I've got. So, Jim, do you have a, uh, if we're going to go to Night Boys, ask the right fucking questions. Do you have a question for the for us here? So... I don't know if it's necessarily a question that's just like, hey, here's my one question, but I kind of do need to talk something out with you. Do it. And it sounds like I'm going to be beating a dead horse because, Tyler, I need answers, man. I need there to be a logical answer. So let's just try it, okay? When we're going through this show, and I really do like how you brought up last episode how Annie could be the logical part of the show, and Mm -hmm. there could also be an illogical part of the show, meaning... Annie was killed for a reason. They caught her messing with their operation and they had to take her out. She was going to bust them, right? That's logical. What's illogical is how all these scientists die at the same time, pretty much, besides Clark, okay? When we're going through these episodes, there are certain things that we just can't say is spiritual, and not supernatural. And okay, I'm sorry, not logical. We can say spiritual. We could say supernatural if we want, but I can't figure out any logical answer. Like if you're going to say unreliable narrator in the in the way of like hallucinations or mental illness or things like that, right? And to me, if we start getting too many answers that are spiritual or supernatural, but then they don't really cement the fact that this was supposed to be a supernatural type show, then that's where I'm going to be confused and not necessarily upset, but it's just confusing to me because we didn't talk about this. Navarro sees the teddy bear, the polar bear, flashes to her scene, and Tyler, this is another one where it flashes to show us. (laughs) 
It did do another flat. Well, that was actually just a flashback with her kid. Those are okay. No, 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 no. I'm talking about when, when Navarro, it's the flash of her dream sequence where she sees the sun with the polar bear and it oh, makes her yeah. ass. <laughs> that actually pissed me off, too. Yeah, there's so <laughs> many in this one. So it makes her ask, is this your son's? And then right away, Danvers is like, I'm not dealing with any of this bullshit, right? But mm-hmm. she's seeing things, right? So you can't say, like, this is mental illness. Like, we can't real. I feel like we almost have to push it out now that the mother-to-daughter-to-daughter mental illness thing is, it feels like when you're answering questions that way and you're putting pieces together of a puzzle in that way, then it has to be they're adding a spiritual supernatural portion to the show. <laughs> I, I don't I don't disagree that, that could be where they're going with it, right? But a couple of things that you jogged. Um so one of the catches that Danvers has is she puts together that from the original video with Clark, the lights go yes, out. Yes, we didn't talk about and this. And in this right. video with Annie Kotak, the lights go out. Mm-hmm. Now we also know that Clark is at least in contact. You know, I don't know if cahoots is the right word, but he's in contact with Otis Heiss. And right. Otis Heiss, who is the one that he's the one that mapped out all the fissures in this, you know, underground ice cavern. He is the first person that lost his eyesight and his and his ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his and his hearing. And his, his ears maybe are his missing. ears were blown off. I didn't I didn't <laughs> see them too closely. Jesus. It's getting late. Um but hypothetically, let's just roll this out there. And this would be me it's gonna be some weird supernatural not not even supernatural, but like let's say Clark is in love with Annie Kotak. She gets in good with him so she can investigate the fissures and she's on to it. That's what's polluting the town, creating stillbirths, all this stuff. Right. They kill Annie Kotak, cut her tongue out, dump her. Clark doesn't know that they're behind it. Yes. Clark finds the tongue somewhere within Solal Station, puts two and two together, enlists the help of the one guy who he knows understands how to get people to essentially like lose their hearing and go blind with something Mm -hmm. in the caves. And what if he uses the lights to lure the people to that spot and essentially just lures them to their death and then moves their body out. And like, like, I'm not saying that it makes a ton of sense to me because that that's also just missing the point of like what, is possibly just making you blind and right. and and your ears, but um, I'm just saying that it doesn't have to necessarily be like this ghostly supernatural thing. It could be that like Clark uses this guy um, and is able to lure the the scientist in there who he blames for the death of Annie Kotak, who he loved. Yeah, yeah. Would that I mean, be that's... like stringing logical together? Yeah, I mean, that's fine, and I'm okay with that, where we already said we don't know what the deal is. We don't know what makes their eyes burn out and all this stuff, right? Is there freaking, like, gases in the caverns, deep in the ga- caverns that make you go that's crazy? That's what I'm saying, yeah. So that's fine, but what I'm mainly referring to is the Navarro stuff where the polar bear and the sun, and you can say to me, Navarro knew Danvers, and Navarro knew Danvers' son and knew well, that, he had a polar yeah. bear, so she sees a little bit of a hallucination, and that hallucination is just a hallucination, or is it? Like, whatever. And then she has to talk to Danvers. 
that's fine. But if it connects pieces, it starts connecting pieces, that's where I get confused. Like Clark, all the stuff written on the walls, that can just be a madman. And that could be explained. If you can somehow tell me that, like, you go into the caverns and the gas burns your eyes out and makes your ears bleed out, Hey, I'm okay with that too. But you're but you're just really caught up by Navarro seeing things that are like, not there. Right. Like the sister sees the orange. Navarro sees the orange. Danvers and Navarro both see the polar bear. Navarro sees the teddy bear polar bear. The sister and Navarro are both seeing the dead mom with the necklace. You can connect that okay. Like if you're just saying they're the sisters are connected. By a, a mutual problem, genetics and pro- the trauma same problem. in their life, yeah. <laughs> right? Trauma in their life, yes. But I just, uh, I guess we just can't talk. We can't talk about it until. Yeah, I we mean, get did you answers. did you have this many questions when Russ saw the universe before he got stabbed in the finale yeah. of True Detective <laughs> season one? I mean, I'm just saying. I don't. I wasn't podcasting on that episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I get where you're coming from, but I'm I'm a little bit more at peace with, you know, Navarro's shared trauma, her her life outside of this being in combat, all these different things is going to lead to her having maybe more clairvoyance, but there's still a reason in my mind that these people died and in yeah. a way that they died. Um and my question it's not really it's not really that great either cuz I know we've just thrown out a ton of questions from this episode but right. I am interested what the link is between how Julia committed suicide in folding up her clothes and putting her yes. boots on top mm-hmm. and how that relates to the way that all the scientists clothes were set up yeah. some of them don't match like yeah, it's and there they're naked. Some, yeah, and I'm almost positive now. Um, this is separate, but just going back to Lynx, the guy who's in the nomad camp is definitely the guy in the first scene that sees the caribou jumping off the cliff. I think. Oh, is it okay? So yeah, I don't know if again, just trying to relate things back, and people are seeing all this stuff in the night. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to know what the significance is of her suicide essentially mirroring the way that we found these Salal station bodies. But right. I mean, we talked about it earlier. We've got a lot of questions, but two thirds into the show, personally, I am, I'm the first person to nitpick and call out things that I don't like, but mm-hmm. I'm really invested in this, in the, the pacing of this show. And for what it's worth to me, I think they're kind of in the perfect spot to have two really killer ending episodes and get us out on a high note. I agree. My last parting shot is a question for you. And it seems like you're comfortable with the fact that there's going to be logical and illogical in a way where the illogical may be there, but not as like in your face kind of like a subtleness to it, but it's definitely there. Like the Navarro stuff, the Rosagonal stuff, like how Travis showed her where the bodies were, all that kind of stuff where maybe it's up to interpretation. Maybe they do let us know that there is some spiritualness to it. But my question for you is, is there any scenario in your head that it would make sense that they go with the theory that I've been seeing 
on Reddit here and there, on Facebook groups, shout out to all of them because I've been talking with them, where it could be this goddess monster thing that they unleash from the caverns. Um, there's obviously a picture of her drawn by the sun. There's a picture of her on the the garage door thing when Leah goes to the protest area. Uh, it looks like it's her like head drawn on the door. You know, obviously there's a lot of supernatural stuff involved. You know, you can have her be the one that is she's awake. You woke her. I really like Tyler that she's awake is more like you, we awoke like almost like our guilt for what we did. Yeah. But either way, is there a scenario where you're okay with that being the answer? Right now, yes. But ask me again at the end of the, at the, end of the show and we'll see. Yeah. I would say that I would maybe be okay with it, but I'm not expecting it. Yeah. That's not what I'm expecting at all, to be honest. No. I I respect that theory because there is pieces that they're leaving for that. And hey, if it's I'm wrong and it's true, I don't care because I love throwing theories out there and I love being right and wrong because it just makes it fun. But I just don't see that being what it is at this point. Yeah. No, I mean, there's I, people uh, talking about monsters. You know, there's yeah. a lot of things it could be. I mean, we're talking about, like you said, horror aspect of the show. You <laughs> dig into the caverns. The last thing is that Otis says that we're in the night country now, man. And Clark went under again. Did he go into the caverns? Is that what under is? Why does Otis have the parka? Another good question, but... I yeah, think at I mean, this point we can we could spend two more hours asking questions. So did Clark did Clark somehow get the ABV um, and knows that they're looking for the parka? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe Hank is helping him out. I thought that Otis was supposed to be like walking around blind and couldn't see shit. I guess what is it? One of his eyes was burned out, not both. I mean, it shows. I will say one on eye. the on the first watch through, I didn't catch it, but. You know, I mean, I was Otis is he's got enough going on with him. The guy's got like he's like addicted to heroin and he's, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to pile on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to say yeah. that he's got some faculties. No, he's got to. I mean, he it's 100 percent that he does, because when they finally showed him his one eye was screwed up, not the other. Mm-hmm. But to me, when they first I thought she said that the symptoms matched, meaning that both eyes burned out, whatever. But again, we could be talking about this forever. So. This is our live reaction. The Night Boys don't usually do this. We like to have at least one rewatch, get a little time to let it sink in, see if we have any theories that pop up while we're in the night going to sleep and I, I dream about True Detective. But uh, this was well, live. Don't dream so. about this episode. You're going you're gonna oh to have gosh, a, screaming, mom chasing you around. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, if we missed anything, if when you do your rewatch, you see something, hit us up. We have Please. the Discord, Twitter, Instagram, DMs, whatever you want. We put the Discord in the show notes. We have all of our social links in the show notes. It's all there. We love talking to all you guys. We've had a lot of people talking to us on TikTok when I'm posting your theory and my theory, Tyler. We had some people come up with their own questions to ask, and they were good questions, very similar, very in line with us. So it's a great time. So, guys, if you like what you heard, check us out at BingetownTV.com. You can find all of our po- podcast episodes there. We've covered over 500 different episodes, over 100 different TV shows. We're sure there's something that you would like. Or you could just search us on any of your favorite podcast apps at TV. 
That's it, guys. We will be back next week. We're in the night country now. We're in the last third of the season. Two more episodes left. Penultimate's probably going to be a banger, so we can't wait. Once again, we are Benchtown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.